Hey, welcome over in the venue, and thank you, uh, Ben and Claudia, for leading worship over there. And I know it was fantastic. Uh, we had Charles over here, and wow, what a what a great song. And I want to welcome everybody here, especially those of you that are visiting with us for the first time. And we got a whole bunch of people watching online and on the radio and all that kind of stuff. And I just want to say I'm glad you're with us. Hey, don't forget tonight, six o'clock. Doesn't cost you a thing. You come and hear Charles, our choir, and everybody in, in concert here. It's absolutely free. And you ought to be here, and you ought to bring a friend or invite a friend. And here's the deal. You know, the Bible says that man plans his ways. And I know many of you showed up here right now, and you got all kinds of plans for tonight, right? You planned your ways, but the Bible says the Lord directs our steps. And I'm going to tell you right now, there isn't anything you're going to do better than just coming here, grabbing a nice seat, nice place, having some fellowship, listening to some great music. Uh, Charles has a whole bunch of his music out there and some books. Uh, last night, my, he gave my daughter uh, this book of questions. He has a son who's younger, and it's just filled with all of these great questions that children ask. And uh, we just had a great time last night even reading some of them together. You're going to want to go out there and get some of uh, Charles' music, have it downloaded on your iPods, those kinds of things. This is the kind of music you've got to fill your home with. Also inside your program, you'll notice that uh, we've got Brad here. He's sitting right over here. Everybody welcome Brad. We do that. He's standing in our audience right here. He is uh, right after this class. He'll be over in primetime, which is in the fireside room. Some of you have never been there. And maybe you've got plans already to go get your lunch or whatever like that. And once again, may, maybe God's directing your, your, your steps here in a different way. And maybe you might want to make your way to the fireside room. And I guarantee it's just an honor to have Brad here with us. Thank you, Charlene, for that great suggestion and, and making it happen. T take advantage of, of that, um, okay? Well, uh, today we're be beginning a, a brand new teaching series here at Big Valley Grace. Uh, we're going to go through the book of Ephesians together. So if you have a Bible, why don't you turn to the book of Ephesians. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Most of the verses will be right inside your program, or they'll be on the Jumbotrons. They'll even show up online for our online audience, um, and uh, you get turned there, all right? Now, I know that God's going to do some deep things in all of our lives as we study this great letter. I know it. In fact, uh, I want to share with you three things that I know are going to happen to you as, you as we go through this together. Now, here's the deal. I want you to understand something. Uh, you may miss a week. Maybe there's somebody you know who couldn't come this week. You invited them, but they'll, they, they can come next week. And just because we're kind of going through the book together doesn't mean that each message won't stand on its own. In other words, it's okay if you miss a week. It's not like somehow you'll be out of the, the loop. All of these messages will kind of have a, a standalone feel to them. And with modern technology, if you do miss a week, you can always watch online on your app, on your Big Valley Church app. You can uh, download the messages for free, go spend two or three bucks and buy the DVD or the CD and, and listen to it so that you can stay uh, current. But I, I, I want you to know as we go through this, there are three things that uh, I know are going to happen. N number one, you're really going to enjoy this study. You're going to enjoy it. I guarantee it. And the reason you're, you're going to enjoy it is because you're going to have a, 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 a you're going to gain a, a greater understanding of who you are in Christ. And uh, the greater your understanding of who you are in Christ, there's way more joy in life, get, get guaranteed. Number two, you're going to feel more loved by God than you've ever felt before as we go through this. 
And the reason why you're going to feel way more loved by God is because you're going to gain a greater understanding of who you are in Christ. The greater your understanding of who you are in Christ, the greater you, you feel loved by God. And number three, you're going to feel more capable of, of doing the things that God wants you to do. And the reason why you're going to feel more capable is because you're going to have a greater understanding of who you are in Christ. When you really get that, when you really understand who you are in Christ, you're, you're, you're not going to wonder, you know, man, can I really do what God's called me to do. So let me pray for us. Father, thanks again for our morning. I'm grateful, God, that we can have men like Brad on our campus. Uh, we can have uh, guys like Adam and Charles here with us. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be the teacher this morning. Lord, uh, you teach us. For those that are here and they do not know you, Lord, may somehow, uh, God, their eyes be open to the truth of who you are, God. And I pray this in your name, amen. All right, now, let me uh, quickly give you a few details. Uh, Ephesians was written by, by Paul while he was in, in prison to the church that was in the city of Ephesus about 25 to 30 years after the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, okay? Jesus dies on a cross, he's put in a tomb, three days later he walks out of the tomb. About 25 to 30 years after that, he writes um, this, this letter. So that, that means it was written in about 60 AD is when this letter would have been uh, written. The church was probably started by this great couple by the name of Priscilla and Aquila. They were actually uh, with Paul when he went on a second missionary journey and Paul left them there to start this church. The church struggled for a while, as most young startup churches do. Um, we've planted a number of churches here at Big Valley Grace, uh, River Oak and, and Crossroads Grace. And when those ch churches were young, when they were startups, they struggled at times. And this was uh, a church that was no different. This church certainly had its struggles in those early years until Paul actually came back and he pastored it himself for three years, okay? Now after leading it for three years, Paul eventually leaves the church and a young man by the name of Timothy takes it over. And Timothy actually pastored the church for probably about a, a, a year and a half. Okay, now, about 30 years after Paul writes this letter to this church, about 30 years after that, in about 90 AD, the Apostle John writes the book of Revelation. And he wrote that while he was in a, a prison on the island of Patmos. And this was one of the seven churches mentioned in the book of Revelation. Jesus said that this church had lost its first love. I tell you all this, um, so that you can see that this church had a rich history. Th this was a, a church that just had an unbelievable history. And as I said a minute ago, God, God's going to use this letter in great ways, I, I know, in all of our lives. So let's read the first six verses together, okay? Verse 1. This letter is from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. 
I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus, the, the Christians that were in Ephesus, who are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Now I want you to know that this is uh, jammed full of what we would call theological truth, capital T. God's truth, biblical truth. And it's important to know God's truth, it's important to know biblical truth, because as Jesus said, it's the truth, capital T, that sets you free. Jesus said it's the truth that sets you free. Listen, a new house won't set you free. A new car won't set you free. A new boyfriend or a new girlfriend won't set you free. A new spouse won't set you free. A new or a better job won't set you free. Winning the lottery won't set you free. Now all these things can and will change your life. There's no doubt about the fact that if you win the lottery today, it'll change your life, but it won't set you free. There's no doubt that if you got a new boyfriend or a new girlfriend, that changed your life, but it won't set you free. There's no doubt about it that if you got a new house, a bigger house, more bedrooms, I don't know, a new pool, that'll change your life, but it won't set you free. Getting a brand new car will change your life, but it won't set you free. Only the truth of God's word, capital T, will change your life, will we'll, we'll, we'll set you free. So what I wanna to do today is I wanna give you four huge theological truths or biblical truths. These are four things that every Christian needs to know and understand, and they all have to do with our Heavenly Father, okay? These are four works of the Father that we find in our text today. Number one, the work of the Father, he has blessed you. He has blessed you. Look at verse three again, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. One of the things I love about the Word of God, it wasn't written to trick anybody. God knew um, who was gonna read it. And he wanted to make sure that, that it was pretty clear he, you know, his, his will isn't hidden under a bush or in a cave or something like that. The word of God is, is, is pretty straight up. And it says right here that one of the things that the Father has done is that he has blessed us. Now, there are two important things I want you to notice here. Number one, these are spiritual blessings. The Father has blessed us. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've given your life over to Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, he has blessed you with spiritual blessings. And the second thing I want you to notice is the word has. Okay, you see that in your notes? God has blessed us. If you're a Christian, 
If you're a follower of Jesus, God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. In other words, God's blessing upon your life isn't some future thing that we wait around for until we get to heaven and then he blesses us. No. Christian, you've been blessed right now. Right, right this moment, you've been blessed with all of God's spiritual blessings. Now here's the deal. Too many of you don't get this. And the reason why I know you don't get this is because of how you live. I've been here 30 years, met with lots of people over 30 years here. I've spoke at camps and retreats and spoke at other places. I've met lots of followers of Jesus Christ. And to me, one of the things that's obvious is that too many believers, too many followers of Jesus don't understand this. The reason why is, is I see too many people that live defeated lives. Too many believers live weak lives. Too many, too many followers of Jesus live oppressed lives. Too many followers of Christ live insignificant lives. Too many followers of Christ live complaining lives. Our country's going to hell in a handbasket, and I see too many believers that just complain about this, complain about that. I guarantee I'll get an email. The music was too loud. The trumpet section was too loud. It was too warm in here. I didn't like my chair. Somebody took my seat. Man, our country's going to hell in a handbasket, and you as a believer just want to gripe and complain about how loud the music is. That tells me you don't understand the incredible blessings that are in your life, spiritual blessings. I may agree with you. Was, Brad and I were sitting right down there, and I said, I leaned over to Brad. You can't sit next to that brass section and not be deaf for a week. Okay? And that's where I always sit. So prime time, if he gets in there and he you know, has a Q&A time and he can't hear you, it's because he's sitting next to the brass section. Guarantee it. There's no microphones over there, it's just loud. You, you guys are lucky. Hard to get a, 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 a flute to be too loud, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, some, some instruments are just loud, there's nothing you can do about it. We, we put, look, we're doing our best. We've got a cage around the drum guy, so you know, we're doing our best. Uh, you see, the reason God gave you these spiritual blessings is because they're the things that you need now to live a God-honoring, righteous, powerful life today. And our country is in desperate need of believers to live a God-honoring, righteous, powerful, fruitful lives. Let me unpack this a, a, a little bit for you. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter six. You gotta follow this. I want you to pay close attention. Paul says, for we are not fighting, Christians. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. <laughs> your enemy isn't your spouse. It may look like your spouse, and the enemy is so good at what he does, he can make it seem like your enemy is the spouse. It's not. Your enemy isn't your children, the enemy isn't your boss, the enemy, enemy isn't your neighbor, the enemy isn't your parents. The enemy's really good at what he does, and he can make it look like 
or seem like they're the enemy, but that's not your enemy. We don't have a flesh and blood enemy. We don't fight against a flesh and blood enemy, but we fight against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, demonic, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That's a little bit of data that we as believers gotta gotta lock in. Our brother Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter five, he said, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, your spouse. Nah, doesn't say that, doesn't say that. It's the devil, the demons. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Listen to me. When you went to bed last night, the devil didn't sleep. The demons didn't sleep. They're up all night just trying to figure out how how they can mess up your life, how they can mess up your family, mess up your marriage, mess up your kids, mess up your grandkids, mess up our country. And they're pretty good at what they do. Got their PhDs in messing things up. It's what, it's what they do. The, the, the devil and the demons don't want you to live a God-honoring life. The devil and the demons don't want you to live a fruitful life, a powerful life, a meaningful life, a significant life. They don't want you to be like Jesus Christ. The enemy we face is really good at what he does. Now I want you to think about this, just follow this. Here you are in this battle, it's a spiritual battle. You got an enemy that hates you, he wants to destroy you, wants to destroy your family, he wants to make sure that you live a weak life, a fruitless life, a life that doesn't honor Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to be like Jesus, he doesn't want you to do the will of God. So when your enemy attacks, what do you need? What do you need to overcome his attack? What do you need to overcome your flesh? What do you need to, you know, need to accomplish God's will for your life? What do you need to live a fruitful life, a powerful life, a God-honoring life? A bigger house? A new car? Oh God, bless me with a better job. Oh God, I want to win the lottery. Oh man, I need another spouse. Beloved, none of these things will help you. These are material things. They won't do anything to help you overcome the enemy you face. They don't do anything to help you overcome your flesh. They won't do anything to help you become more like Jesus Christ. They won't do anything to help you live out God's will for your life. None of these things will give you the power that you need to be the man or the woman of God that God wants you to be. But it's what we spend most of our times praying for. Oh God, you know, give me a better job. Oh God, you know, I need a bigger home. Oh God, can I get another house? Oh God, man, I don't like my spouse. None of those things will will, will give you the power you need to live a a fruitful life for, for, for God. So what do you need? You need God's spiritual blessings. Because nothing else will help you overcome your enemy or or your flesh or whatever. God's spiritual blessings are the things that you need because they feed your inner man. 
They keep your inner man alive and well and healthy and strong and all that. It's God's spiritual blessings that we need to accomplish God's will in our lives. Look, you could be the wealthiest guy on the planet and still be helpless against your enemy or against the flesh. You could have the biggest house in Modesto and you'd still be helpless against your enemy or the flesh. You could have the best looking spouse in town, the kindest spouse in town, and still be helpless against the enemy and your flesh because none of them will give you the power you need to overcome your enemy or the flesh. The only thing that gives you strength to overcome your flesh or your enemy are spiritual blessings. And God said, I've already given you all the spiritual blessings that you need. The question you gotta ask yourself, beloved, is it kind of playing itself out? You see, here's, here's the moment where you and the Holy Spirit get to wrestle around together. And, and I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, I'm just pointing out some things, and if the Holy Spirit's doing his job, and I know he is, and he's convicting some of you, and you're going, you know what? I'm not living a powerful life. I'm making no impact in my family, in my town, in my state, in my nation. I'm just nothing. I'm, I, I have a fruitless life. Well, this is the great moment where you can go, man, God help me. Help me to understand what these spiritual blessings are that I have, maybe I just don't get it. Once again, look at what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter five. He said, stay alert, beloved. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your new house. <laughs> be strong in your new car. Be strong in your new spouse, your bigger bank account. No, he says be strong in your faith. Be strong in your belief. Be strong in the truth, capital T, that you know. See, that's what helps you live the life that God wants you to live, that your family needs for you to, to live. Now let me give you a just real quickly, a few of some of these spiritual blessings, and we'll look at them in more detail as the weeks go on. But number one, the blessing of being uh, one of God's children. The Bible says in John chapter one, he, Jesus, came, in, came into the very world that he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God. Listen, knowing and understanding this truth is critical to overcoming the enemy. Look, I stand up here right now, and I'm a part of God's family. I'm in God's family. The God who thought, and there was a planet. He thought, and there were mountains. He thought, and there was an ocean. He thought, and there were plants and birds. I'm in his family. That matters. Number two, the blessing of being a new creation. The Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anybody has given their life over to Jesus Christ, it's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something, my friends. 
God gave us the ability to remember. And I remember what I used to be. I remember me. I remember the vile that used to come out of my mouth, the crummy language. I remember how I used to treat people. I remember the things I used to put up my nose. I remember the things I used to drink. I remember. And I'm not that man anymore. The Holy Spirit now lives in me. I'm a new man. I'm a different man. And that's a truth that you, you, you hang on to. The blessing of being a citizen of, of heaven. It says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. Look, at, I, I kind of have dual citizenship. I'm a citizen of this great country, the United States of America, but I'm just kind of hanging out here for a while. Because there's coming a moment I'm leaving here at the midnight cry and I'm going to my real home. This ain't it. If this was it, man, I'd tell you all to go out, eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you die, and man, what a bummer that's going to be. But this ain't it. This ain't it. The blessing of being forgiven. I'm writing to you, the Bible says, who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. Let me tell you something. I've bought a number of uh, homes in my life. Never once have I had a real estate agent go, now, this is a beautiful home, Mr. Countryman. It's got 2,200 square feet. It's got three bathrooms. It's got three bedrooms. It's got this washroom right here. And by the way, if you buy this house, it comes with a forgiveness of sins. I, I bought I don't even know how many cars in my life, and I've never had a car guy go, man, let me tell you something. We got, we got a nice uh, four-wheel drive thing here, and we got your steering wheel, and man, you got your fancy you know, stereo and all that. And by the way, you buy this car, it'll forgive you of your sins. See, houses don't forgive you of your sin. Cars don't forgive you of your sin. You can have all the money in the bank. Bill Gates, richest guy on the planet, doesn't mean, doesn't mean a thing. Doesn't come with the forgiveness of sin. God has blessed me with that. The blessing of having God's Holy Spirit inside of me. The blessing of having everything you need to live a God-honoring life. Second Peter says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. You have it right now. Some of you just don't get it. You, it could be because you're new in the Lord and you're just not mature enough to know what all these things are, and I get it. Some of you just, you just haven't studied the Word long enough. I don't know what it is, but you just don't get it. You don't understand that you have it. Um, I remember I, uh, this, this new car I, I, I bought. Um, I got in it. I'm driving it around for about three weeks or whatever it was, and there's somebody else that had a car just like mine, and I was in their car. And we were driving, and we couldn't figure out where this thing was we were trying to get to, and so he presses this button, and he says, hey, how do I get to blah, blah, blah? And all of a sudden, the car talked back to him. Here's this map, follow my directions. And I looked over at him, and I went, dude, my car didn't talk to me. He goes, oh, yeah, it does. I said, no, it doesn't. He says, yes, it does. And you know what? He was right. 
I didn't know I had that option on my car, so for three or four weeks, I drove it without having that option because I didn't know I had it. You see, you can be a follower of Jesus Christ and not realize the options that God has given you already. You've, you've never tapped into them because you just don't understand them. And on some plane, that's okay. But it's important that you learn these things because it sure makes it way easier for me to get in my car and go, hey, this is where I want to go, and bing, it just shows up. Hey, I, wanna, I need to call my wife. Bing, phone rings. Unbelievable. Does whatever I say. Nice having something like that in your life. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Doesn't talk back to me every so often. It goes, I don't know what you're talking about. The list goes on and on and on. All this to say that God has blessed us, and all these blessings are all the things that you need to overcome the enemy, your flesh, whatever, that you might live a God-honoring life, a life full of power and significance, a life that you'd be proud you know, to have your, your children copy or your grandchildren copy. See, I want to live a life that my kids would say, I wanna be like that guy. I wanna be like my dad. I want my kids to marry somebody like me. And for some of you, once again, the Holy Spirit's working. Praise the Lord. And for some of you, maybe what you need to do is go home and gather up your children, gather up your spouse or whatever, and say, hey, listen, I heard from the Lord today. And frankly, I wouldn't want you to live a life like mine. I wouldn't want you to copy my life. But I heard from the Lord today, and I, I'm going to make some changes with God's help. Would you pray for me? Because I want to live a life that you could copy, son, daughter. That took me, what, 30 seconds doesn't take long to have an incredible impact on your family, guys, gals. And that might be the greatest thing that you could do today. You just go home and say, you know what, I, I haven't lived a life that has honored the Lord that I'd want you to copy, but that, that's going to change today. Now, not only has the, the, the Father blessed you, but number two, the second work of the Father is this, is that he's loved you. Verse four says, even before he, that's God, made the world, God loved us. Now, I'm going to talk more about God's love in the weeks to come, but let me make a, a quick comment or, or six about it. J Jesus said this in 1 John chapter 4. He said, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is Love. Now, what does it mean when it says that God is love? Well, it means that it's in God's very nature to love. Now, what does it mean that it's in God's very nature to love? Well, it means that, God's, that God loves not because he finds some object like us as human beings worthy of his love. He simply loves because it's in his very nature to love. In other words, God's love for you has nothing to do with you. How good you are, how bad you are, God simply loves you because of who he is. 
And that's good news. Let me tell you something. He proved that statement right there at the cross. The Bible says, for God demonstrated his own love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, Jesus is hanging on a cross, and I don't even believe in him. And God says, it doesn't matter whether you believe in me, Rick, I love you. I used your name in vain. And God says, I, I don't care, I love you anyway. I mocked you, I mocked your church. It doesn't matter to me, I love you anyway. I, I can't help it. I love you, Rick. I love you. It's in God's very nature to love. He loved you even though you were a sinner. He loved you even though you didn't want anything to do with him. He loved you even though you rejected him. In fact, I want you to know something. He loves you so much. Listen to me. If you don't want him in your life, he loves you so much that he says, okay, I won't be in your life. I'll make sure that that's a permanent deal when you pass away. Some of you don't, don't, you don't care about Jesus. You don't even believe in him. And God says, you know what? Here's the deal. If you don't want me in your life, if you, if you don't want to receive my love, then let's just make it a permanent deal when you die. And you'll spend your eternity apart from me. Now, I want you to understand this. Love doesn't define who God is. It's not, the, you know, uh, love isn't the all-encompassing attribute that defines who God is. But it is one of the great ones. In a few weeks, we're going to take a closer look at what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3. He said, I pray that you and all of God's holy people will have the power to understand the greatness of Christ's love, how wide and how long and how high and how deep that love is. Christ's love is greater than anyone can ever know. In other words, Paul recognizes, look, there's a part of it you're never going to comprehend, but I pray that somehow you'll understand at least a piece of that love. Interesting, Paul never prays, I pray for this group or that group that you'd all get better homes. I pray for this group or that group that you'd all find spouses you can marry. I pray for this group or that group that are struggling with cancer, that God will heal you. He doesn't pray those kinds of prayers. Nothing wrong with them. Paul is much more concerned that you understand the spiritual things of God. That you understand those things, that's what he prays for. That you would get those things. That you'd have a greater understanding of those things. And I can hardly wait to talk more about Ephesians 3 if the midnight cry doesn't take place before then. Num number three, the third work of the Father, and that's this. The work of the Father is he, he chose you. Verse 4 says, even before he, that's God, made the world, God loved us, and he chose us. See that? He chose us. Jesus said this in John 15. He said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. Beloved, I didn't choose Jesus. He chose me. You didn't choose Jesus. He chose you. And he made that choice to save you, to choose you before 
the creation of the world. Now I'm going to get into something that's going to go right over most of your heads, or a lot of your heads. But I want to talk about how that works. How did, how, how did God choose me? Didn't I choose him? It clearly says here that, that God chose us. You can't miss that, can you? Well, how does that work? I'm often asked, Pastor Rick, do you believe in the doctrine of election? Do you believe that God selected and knows all the names of those who are going to be saved? And the answer is yes. The Bible clearly teaches that God does all the choosing. And he did all of the choosing before the world was ever created. Our text clearly teaches this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 says, but we ought to always thank God for you, brothers loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. So based on these and other passages, I don't have a choice but to believe that God does all the choosing, and he did all the choosing before the creation of the world. By the way, if you're a follower of Jesus, you may not understand all this. Just be glad that you were chosen. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, Pastor Rick, what about our free will? Do you believe that people have a choice? Do you believe that, you know, that anybody can come to Jesus for salvation? <laughs> and the answer is yes. But wait a minute. You just said that God does all the choosing. Now you're saying that people have a choice. That's right. I believe in both because the Bible clearly teaches both. But wait, aren't those two in opposition to one another? And the answer is yes. Yes, God chose you before the world was ever created, and yes, anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will, will be saved. The Bible clearly teaches both. Some of you are thinking to yourself, how can this be? How can both of these concepts coexist? I don't know. I just know that they're both clearly taught in Scripture. Let me remind you of what the great prophet Isaiah, what God said through the great prophet Isaiah, said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways. So are my thoughts than your thoughts, declares the Lord. In other words, God doesn't think like you. He doesn't reason like you. He's not you. There are some things that are beyond us. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says that the secret things belong to the Lord. There are some things that just God knows. Now I know that we as you know, human beings try to figure it all out. But there are some things we'll never figure out. Listen to what Dr. MacArthur said about God's election and man's free will. He said, quote, although man's will is not free in the sense that many people suppose, he does have a will, a will that the scriptures clearly recognize. Apart from God, man's will is captive to sin, but he is nevertheless able to choose God because God has made that choice possible. Jesus said that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus also said everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. The frequent commands to the unsaved to respond to the Lord clearly indicate the responsibility of man to exercise his own will. Yet, 
The Bible is just as clear that no person receives Jesus Christ as Savior who has not been chosen by God. He went on to say, the only way these two things can be resolved is in the mind of God. You see, God has some things that he can do that I can't. In other words, what he's saying there is this. God's sovereignty, him doing all the choosing, and us having the, the free will to choose, those two concepts may not make a whole lot of sense in our mind, but they make perfect sense in his mind. Understand that? I love what J.I. Packard said, and that is this. Let God be wiser than you. <laughs> now some of you are thinking, is there middle ground between these two biblical teachings? And the answer is no, because when you try to find some middle ground, you dumb down both concepts. Now some people can't handle what I just taught. Some people can't handle what Dr. MacArthur just said. You gotta have God all figured out, and you gotta get God in this box where you feel comfortable. And so there are churches and denominations out there that get you into a box. And we believe just in the sovereignty of God and then all these other teachings on this side that clearly teach man has a free will, they have to work really hard to show you how that doesn't really mean what it says. And then you have people that are in this theological camp and all of that, they're in these denominations that say, well, it's all you know, man's free will and then they work really hard to um, kind of you know, kind of blow out of the water these verses over here that talk about the sovereignty of God, you know, the clear teaching of the sovereignty of God. I just know the scriptures clearly teach both. Here, here, here's the bottom line. If, if, if you're confused, that's okay, but here's the one thing you need to understand about you and God. Okay, I wanna make sure you get this. this I wanna make this crystal clear. Your part in salvation was sinning. God's part in it was saving. Okay, now, you may not agree with what I just taught, and I'm okay with that. A lot of great people disagree when it comes to those two issues, but no one disagrees with that. Your part was sinning, God's part was saving. That we all uh, uh, agree on. Number four, and I'm gonna do this really quick, the work of the Father was he, he adopted you. Verse five says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. The Bible says in Romans chapter eight, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Listen to me. When you received Jesus Christ as your savior, not only were your sins completely forgiven, not only was your name written in the Lamb's book of life, but God established a brand new relationship with you. A relationship not built out of fear, but one of sonship. You see, the Holy Spirit delivers the believer from the bondage of fear and puts him into a family of love at the very moment you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Listen, if you know Jesus Christ is your savior, you don't have to worry or fear the coming wrath of God, you don't have to worry or fear death anymore, because at the moment you said yes to Jesus Christ, you were made a part of God's family. You were adopted into God's family, and God's family is a family of love. 
That phrase, now we call him Abba Father, that word Abba is an informal Aramaic term that simply means father or daddy or papa, and it carries with it a, a sense of tenderness or intimacy or a complete lack of fear or anxiety or whatever. It's an intimate term. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter three, in him, in Jesus Christ, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. One version says in Christ, we can, be, we can come before God with freedom and without fear. Look, the reason why some of you have a hard time going to the Father is because you just don't understand some of these things. Um, we were with some, uh, a family, uh, or a, a couple of families on uh, the 4th of July day, whatever that, Friday. So we're all at this house, and we're all swimming, we're having a great time. Well, there was this bunch of kids there, didn't, they didn't know me. They knew who I was, but they didn't know me. And they were, they were scared of me. That's that guy that yells in church all the time. You know, I mean, that, that, that was their whole thing, you know. And he, he's, him and God are like this, you know. And, uh, and so I'd get around him, and it was like, you know, they'd scurvy away like, you know, cockroaches when the light went on. Uh, they, they were just totally nervous to be around me. Well, my kids and the family's kids, they aren't nervous. They know me. They understand. We're friends. We're family. Hey, we goof around, and they can tease. I can tease them. They can tease me. They can push me in the pool, throw water balloons at me. It's not. But the people that didn't know me, they were afraid. Some of you know the Lord, but you're still fearful of God. And God says, whoa, 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 that's not the way this works. I have adopted you into my family. You're, you're one of my sons. You're one of my daughters. I want you to come to me with confidence. You have to fear coming to me. You have to do that. I'm not, I'm not ready to thump you. I, you're my kid. Instead of cowering in slave-like fear, we as believers can approach God with confidence, freedom, in an intimate way. We can call him Abba Father. Now, this is what I want to do. Over in the venue, I want everybody to stand up, and here I want you to stand up, and I just want to say these four things out loud uh, together, okay? Now, last night, it was a little weak. Uh, I, I, I want a little bit more juice out of this group here. Okay, here we go. Number one. The Father blessed me. The Father chose me. The Father loved me. And the Father adopted me. Now, now listen, listen, listen. Why did the Father bless you with all these incredible spiritual blessings? Why did the Father love you? Why did the Father choose you? Why did the, the Father adopt you? Verse 5 says this, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. <laughs> okay, now, I read a lot of books, heard a lot of messages, a lot of theological books on this. None of them was going to use the term I'm going to use right now. They're way more sophisticated than I am. That is just freaky bizarre. 
He blessed me because it brought him pleasure to bless me. He, he loved me because that brought him pleasure. He chose me. I want you, Rick. Because that brought him pleasure. He adopted me. Because <laughs> it brought him pleasure. All right, that's what I'm talking about. And the same thing is true for you, beloved. He did those things for you because it brought him pleasure to do that for you. Now here's the deal. You can let that rattle around in, in, in your brain for a long time. And you may not totally grasp it. I don't know if I totally grasp it. But the better you grasp it, the better you understand it, I want you to know something. <laughs> You'll never wonder about what your purpose is in life. You'll never wonder you know, or think, man, my life's just insignificant. You'll never have a self-esteem issue if you grasp this. And it's my prayer that this week these thoughts would just continue to rattle around in your mind that he's blessed us, he loved us, chose us, adopted us. Father, thank you, Lord, for a chance to be together as a family. I pray God's blessing next hour in our prime time as Brad gets to share some thoughts in there. May they just have a great time fellowshipping. Thanks, Jesus, for your goodness to us, and I pray this in your name. Amen.